All right, good evening, everybody. It's good to be in church on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to sleeping in tomorrow. We do church tonight. We don't have to come tomorrow. So uh, that'll be good. I feel like a Catholic up here tonight. That's what they do. They have mass on Saturday night. If you would turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number six, I really enjoyed the everything, really. The dinner's been great. The hospitality's been great. And uh, the video, you know, going back and just thinking how good the Lord has been to this church. And uh, 86 years, that's a long time for a church to stay faithful to the word of God. And uh, I'm just really impressed with people been here 40 years, 50 years, 70 years. The average life cycle of a Christian in a church is about seven years. And most churches almost completely turn over in a seven year period. It's good for some people that just believe in sticking with the stuff. I've been married 53 years, and the best part is to the same woman. And, uh, you know, you find something good, just stay with it. Don't be jumping all around the place and, and getting antsy. I do want to challenge you tonight. We've driven up here, and, uh, you know, everything's been good. I had, went over to the judge's house for breakfast today, went out and looked at the chickens and the farm and enjoyed all that, and Brother Kevin and Joanne been really good to us. These folks have been really good to our church and just appreciate it all. But this is business tonight. Nehemiah chapter six, it came to pass. Didn't come to stay and we didn't come to stay. When Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard, I built at the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. Samballot and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. If you're going to do something for the Lord, there's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be people that, that fight the work of God. He said, I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm doing a great work that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? I'm doing a great work. Let's pray. Lord, please help me preach. Help people listen. Lord, bless this church and these people, this pastor and his family. We give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The greatest work in the world is God's work. The greatest work in the world is God's work. We, as Christians, need to do great things for God. And not that we are great. And we know God has to do it. If God doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. Unless the Lord built a house, they labor in vain to build it. But I believe, listen, I believe God's looking for some people tonight that really mean business and want to see something really happen for the Lord and see God do great and mighty things. And I'm just wondering tonight in this room if there's anybody here that wants to do something great for God. Some people would like to be a great ball player. Some people would be... Uh, like to be a great movie star or some great politician. But how many people really want to do something and be something great for God? Maybe not too many, maybe not enough. But I'll tell you this, I, I want to see God do great things in our church. I want to see God do great things in, in the Baptist churches and Christianity. And, and I want to see something happen. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to, brother Travis, my grandson, sings a song. I want to, I want to leave with nothing left. 
And uh, I don't want to don't want to have regrets. And, uh, you know, we're only going through one time. This isn't practice. This isn't a dress rehearsal. We don't get to come back. You know, after I had raised my kids, I thought I'm ready to have children. I know what I'm doing now. But we don't get a second chance. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work. He didn't say I'm doing a great job. But he knew, he knew, listen, he knew the Lord's work was the most important work and the greatest work. I haven't been up here to Simcoe, Canada before, but I know this, with everything around here, the most important thing in this whole place is this church right here. Because this is where the gospel is preached. This is where the word of God is preached. This is where the people can get saved and people know the Lord. And that is the most important thing in the world. We're getting ready to have a big election over in the States on Tuesday. And uh, the ones that love Trump and the ones that hate Trump and, and all this stuff's going on. Let me just tell you something. That is not the most important thing in the United States of America. The United States of America needs God. We need to have revival. We need to see people saved. Uh, there's a senator, United States Senator, Rand Paul, and I heard him say this with his own lips, in America, unless we have revival, we're done. There's another politician named Pat Buchanan. He wrote a book, The Death of the West, and he writes this whole big book. He's a lost Catholic. At the end of the book, he says, if we don't have a revival of religion, it's over. You know what you need in Canada? I was talking to the preacher at dinner time. As far as I know, there's never been a a, a national, a great revival in the nation of Canada. Maybe I'm wrong, but if there has been one, it's not recent. I was watching in the uh, video and I saw all the buses and preacher said that was back in the 70s. Back in the 70s when I got saved, a lot of my preacher friends got saved. Things were really rolling. Independent Baptists out of 50 biggest Sunday schools in the United States, 48 of them were independent Baptists. We need to, well, listen, we need to see that again. It's great to go back and look at the past and look at the pastors and look at the buildings. You can't live in the past. It's good to have good memories. It's good to have precious memories and it's good to be thankful. But listen, I, I don't want to just hear about what God did. I want to see God do something. I don't want to just hear about this person and that person and how great things were happening and how great these men were and the great preaching and the great revivals. I want to see it happen. I'm on overtime. I'm on double overtime. I'm running out of time. And uh, the clock is ticking. And uh, we need to see God do great things. Listen, if God's going to do something great, he's going to do it through a person. Do you ever think about that? God, God uses people. God's not going to come down here and walk around town and knock on doors. It's, it, God uses us. We have to have somebody that's willing and somebody that wants it. We need to have somebody that's hungry for God and hungry to, to, to be used to God and serve God. Over in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, the disciples were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. I'm, when I'm talking to you about doing something great for God, I'm not talking about, you know, you lifting up yourself or me lifting up myself. I'm talking about just for the glory of God to see, just want to see God do something. And they, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus said, this is the one that's going to be the greatest. The ones that the servant is going to be the greatest. The one that is the servant. We also need to see the greatness of serving God. In Acts chapter 16, Paul gets the uh, Macedonian call. Come over into Macedonia and help us. So they go over there into Macedonia and there's, there's this lady and, and she's full of the devil this damsel and she's following them around 
And she says, these are the servants of the most high God that show us the way of salvation. Now think about this. She had the right message, but she had the wrong spirit. We need to have the right message and we need to have the right spirit. God is a spirit and we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. But think about this was actually the devil speaking and he was complimenting these men. These are the servants of the most high God who show us the way of salvation. Can I tell you something? There is no higher calling in the world. Spurgeon said this, I mentioned it at the summit. He said to the preacher boys, don't stoop to be a king. Don't stoop to be a king. There's no higher calling than the call of God. There's no greater privilege than to serve the Lord. Whatever we do in Jesus' name, whatever we do in Jesus' name is so important, so important, so important. Somebody in here needs to get stirred up about doing something for God and being something for God. Again, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let me say this to young people. Over in Luke chapter 2, Jesus was 12 years old. And, and he said to Mary, he said, Wished you not, know you not, I must be about my father's business. At 12 years old, Jesus said, I need to be about the father's business. Nobody's too young to serve the Lord. You young people, you need to get busy and serve the Lord. You need to witness. You need to tell people about the Lord. Charles Spurgeon was saved when he was uh, 15, and uh, he was preaching when he was 17. Bob Jones Sr. got saved when he was 11. He was preaching at 13, holding revival meetings at 15. The worst thing a person can do, a young person to do, is sit in church and not do anything. And by the way, that's the worst thing a medium-aged person could do and an old person could do. We're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve. We're supposed to get busy for the Lord. When I read my Bible, I see everybody that got saved was busy doing something for the Lord, serving the Lord. We need to see how great that is. George Whitfield was called the boy preacher. So if you have a young person and they come to church, come to church, come to church, and they don't do anything for God, they're not going to reach some magic age of 18 or 20 or when I get out of high school and all of a sudden get on fire for God. We need to get our young people involved when they're little. We need to get our children involved and give them some way that they can serve the Lord. And some of the, listen, people have goals. You know, I want to have, a, I want to be a millionaire or I want to be this or I want to do that. We need some people that have a goal of I want to serve the Lord. And I want to live for God. And I want to see God do great things. I want to see miracles happen. And I want to see revival. Let me say this also. Old people can serve God. It isn't just the young people. Here's a sad thing in our church. We have people that serve the Lord. They were Sunday school teachers. They would, they would sing in the choir. They would go out visiting. They do all kinds of things. And they get to a certain age and they start deciding that they're too old. Let somebody else do it. You know, I'm too old or... You know, I did my share or whatever. I don't want to die before I die. I don't want to die before I die. Look with me over in John chapter number six. John chapter number six. In John chapter number six, Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And in verse 11, he took the loaves and when he given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. So here's Jesus he, he, 
they, the, the little boy gives him the lunch. And Jesus blesses it and multiplies it. Think about that. Whatever we give to the Lord, whatever we give to Jesus, he can bless it and he can multiply it. But you got to give him something to bless. God never blesses nothing. God never blesses nothing. So here they do. They, he feeds the 5,000. You know the story. It's in all four gospels. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. And they gathered uh, together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves. Now think about this. He feeds 5,000 people with a little lunch. And then he says, gather up the fragments, gather up what's left. Now, why did they do that? I think number one, to show that everybody didn't just get a little like Philip said would happen, but there was more than enough. God always does abundantly above what we think. But here's what I believe. Listen, here's, here's what he was teaching them. He said, whatever is left, we don't want to waste it. You know, if you eat food, normal people save it, the leftovers. They don't want to waste it, right? Some people just throw it out. But here's what Jesus is saying. We don't want to waste what's left. I'm 73 years old. Maybe there's some people in here older than me, but not too many. I, I don't have a lot left. I don't have a lot of time left. I, I probably won't be past here again. But I don't, listen to me, I don't want to waste what I have left. I'm not going to waste what I have left sitting on a church pew and getting blisters on my rear end. I'm, I'm going to, if I'm going to get blisters, it's going to be on the bottom of my feet. I'm going, I'm going to preach until I don't have any breath. And I'm going to praise the Lord until I don't have any breath. And I'm not going to sit around and waste my life on unimportant stuff. I'm not going to waste my stuff staring at a television, my life staring at a television or playing on a computer or just doing a lot of stuff that don't count for anything. I understand. I realize, listen, every minute is precious. I don't want to, I don't want to waste anything. I want to serve the Lord. And you need to serve the Lord. You need to have that attitude. Hey, Colonel Sanders didn't start selling chicken until after he was retired. You don't, you don't quit. Listen, if you want to retire, retire from your job so you have more time to serve the Lord. Some of you old people need to get off your rear end and do something for God. Coming to church. Oh, I come to church. You're not doing God a favor. I'm not doing God a favor just showing up at church. We need to be serving the Lord. God did not save us to sit around and rot. He saved us to serve the Lord. Get yourself a handful of tracks. Start giving out some tracks. Cover this place with tracks. Talk to everybody you meet about the Lord. Invite people out to church. You need to fill this place up. I need to fill our church up. We need to fill our church up. I'm not up here like we're doing it and you're not doing it. I'm just saying, I don't care where you go, where you are in, in Christianity today, we're not taking advantage of everything we have. And we're not doing everything we can. Paul said, I, I'm all things to all men that by all means I might win some. When's the last time you won anybody? When's the last time you tried to win anybody? We need to, listen, somebody in here needs to say, I want to do something great for God. I want to see God do great things. I want our church to be a great church. And I'm not saying it's not. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. This is Jesus speaking. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, night cometh. 
when no man can work. Listen, night is coming. There's, there's a spiritual darkness setting in over the United States, and it's probably the same up here in Canada. There's a spiritual darkness setting in, and we need to work the works of God while we can. You won't always have a chance to witness. You may not always have the freedom to witness. You may not always have a clear mind. You may not have a strong body. I lost my voice. I, I had some strokes, had a bunch of them, and I lost my, uh, they did a, um, a carotid artery, cut me from my ear to my chest, and when they did, they damaged my vocal cords. My one was paralyzed. And the doctor said it's like clapping with one hand. I could not speak for five months. I couldn't preach. I still can't sing. I can, I can, I can preach, but I can't sing. But I want to tell you something. For a preacher not to be able to talk for five months, I was praying. I was begging God. God, give me my voice back. But I'll tell you one thing. Listen, I'm not going to sit here on a pew and people are singing and God's moving. I'm not going to sit there with my mouth shut. I'm going, I'm going to praise the Lord. Now, I know that's a personal thing. And some people, you're just not vocal and all that. But, but let me say this, man. When you get to heaven, you will speak up. You will praise the Lord. Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I believe it's a sin not to praise the Lord. I think in our churches today, we're so dead and so dusty well, somebody ought to be shouting. We just had a wedding. We had a camp meeting wedding. I mean, the thing broke out. That's a, I like it. I like it that way. Maybe you like it that way on the inside. You'll let it show up on the outside. Now's the time. Somebody needs to do it. Why not now? Why not here? Why not you? If you don't have revival in this church, where's the church going to have revival? If you don't do something for God, who's going to do something for God? I know what it's like in Canada. I know little churches. It's like that in New Jersey, too. Billy Sunday said, I want to be a giant for God, and he was. We talked about Brother Roloff, and uh, he said, I want to do something so great that everybody will know God did it. Think about the story about Peter. Jesus comes out on the water. He's walking in the water. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, can I come out? The Lord says, sure, Peter, come on out. So Peter gets out, walks on the water, he gets his eyes on the wind, takes his eyes off the Lord, and he begins to sink. He cries out, he says, Lord, save me. And the Lord stretches out his hand, immediately he saves him. And we talk about Peter, how he lacked faith, and how he got his eyes off of the Lord, and how he sunk. But you know, outside of Jesus, he's the only one that ever did walk on water. He maybe didn't get far, but listen, he tried. Now, let me ask you a question. The other disciples in the boat, why didn't they walk on water? I'll tell you one reason. Listen to me. They didn't try. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Who was in the boat with Peter? Well, we just assume, you know, it was John and James and Matthew. But you know what? The, the, the Bible doesn't mention their names. You know why? Because they didn't do anything worth mentioning. I used to be a gambler. I played the horses. And you would have the horse's name that won. You'd have the horse come in second, the horse come in third. And then you know what after that it would say? Also ran. I do not want to be an also ran for Jesus. I don't want to be the one that didn't do anything worth mentioning. I don't want to be the one that just sat around doing nothing, waiting for the, to die or waiting for the Lord to come. And not witnessing anybody and not telling anybody about the Lord and not seeing anybody saved and not trying to give and help and 
be a blessing to people. Let me ask you a question. Do you want a good church? Or do you want a great church? Well, we have a great church. I hope you do. But it could be greater. Good, better, best. Let's never rest. Our good is better and our better is best. If you are satisfied with good, you'll never be great. You ever see these basketball players? I'm in the gym on the treadmill walking. They got the screen and these guys are shooting baskets. These guys will come out and shoot free shots for hours. Every day of their life shooting free shots. The guy says, I measure exactly so many inches. I lean. And, and this is, I mean, he's, he's living to make free shots. He doesn't just want to be good. He wants to be great. To be great, listen, you've got to be driven. You've got to be driven to be great. You've got to want to be great. And when I'm talking about being great, please don't think I'm talking about pride. Oh, I want to be somebody. I'm a great one. I mean that idea of, of God using you to do great things and God getting all the glory from it, every bit of glory. How many people here ever heard of Alexander the Good? You didn't hear Alexander the Good. You heard Alexander the Great. Let me give you three things. I'm done. That wasn't my message. We will get out of here real quick. We had a man come to the summit. Young man had Down syndrome, preacher Paul. And he preached a message and it was great. I'm going to use two points of his outline. Number one, he said this. He said, dream big dreams. Dream big dreams. Dream big. We got a big God. How big is your God? Huh? The only thing that hinders God is unbelief. Call unto me, Jeremiah 33, 3, and I will answer thee and show thee great mighty things that thou knowest not. I love that verse. That's a promise from God. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. I have seen God do great things, but I want to see God do greater things. I'm not satisfied with what God did. I want to see what God's doing and what God's going to do. How about you? Let me ask you a question. How about, how about this? How about revival in Canada? How about that? Is your God big enough to bring revival? Oh, you know, things are so bad. Can I tell you what? That's when revival comes. You don't need revival when things are good. You don't need revival when things are good. Revival always comes when things are bad. That's what revival is all about. What about revival in Canada? What about revival in Canada starting in this church? What, what about getting back like the old days, back in the 70s and, and busting everything out? What about that? A vision where there's no vision, what? The people perish. I go in churches all the time where there's no vision. Good churches. I go down south. I mean, the Bible Belt. Church is full of people. Everybody's happy. Everybody's nice. And, and there's no vision. Nobody, nobody's pressing toward anything. Nobody's concerned about anything. It's just like, oh, you know, we're saved and we're going to heaven and, and everything's wonderful. No, it's not wonderful because there's so many people that are lost. You remember the lepers? The, the city had been under siege and the enemy has them surrounded and everybody's starving to death. And, and God chases them all away. The lepers come out and they find all the food and everything and they're eating it and hiding it. And then you know what they said? They said, listen, this isn't good. 
We're out here, we're eating all this stuff and everybody's back there starving. We need to go tell them. Well, I'm saved. Well, my kids are saved. Well, my wife's saved, we're saved. What about everybody else? What about telling them? They need to hear that God loves them. We need to have big dreams, big visions. Don't be afraid of big. And then we need to pray big prayers. I'm going to look at this and then we'll be closing real quick. Second Chronicles, if you can get over there. First Chronicles, chapter number four. The prayer of Jabez, made famous by a book that somebody wrote and made a lot of money. Jabez, First Chronicles 4.10, called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that thou would bless me indeed. God, number one, I want you to bless me and enlarge my coast. I want you to give me a bigger ministry. I want you to give me more influence. I want you to use me. And that thy hand might be with me. I need you to be with me. And that would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And then it says this, God granted him that which he requested. You know why we don't get a lot of things from God? Because we don't ask for it. And the other reason we don't get a lot of things from God is we don't believe he's going to do it. We need, listen, we need to dream big dreams. And we need to pray big prayers. And then we need to do big things. In Matthew chapter 5, I heard Jack Kyles preach a message on what do you more than others. And in Matthew 5, 47, the verse says this, what do ye more than others? If you want to do more, you have to do more. That may seem idiotic to you, but if you want to do more, you have to do more. I heard that message and I thought, I want God to use me. I want my life to count. I don't, I don't, I don't want to just waste my time. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to just play around. I don't want to just be content. I want, I want God to use me. I want to do more than others. There's a lot of churches a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians are never going to do much for the Lord. It's not that they couldn't, they just didn't. People that are successful are successful on purpose. People are successful on purpose. They, they have drive. They have a goal. They have a plan. There's not one person in this room tonight sitting here, no matter how young, no matter how old, that God couldn't use you, that God couldn't show you great mighty things, that couldn't do great things for God. But you gotta want to. David went out and killed the giant. Saul was head and shoulders above all the men in Israel. Eliab was older than David and bigger than David and stronger than David. But Eliab didn't kill the giant and Saul didn't kill the giant. I'll give you two reasons. Number one, here's the big reason, listen to me. They didn't try. 
And number two, they didn't have a heart for it. They didn't have a heart for it. David said, is there not a cause? And then he answered that. He said that all the world might know there is a God in Israel. You can do nothing. You can do very little. We can do something. You got to want to. You got to have a heart for God. And you got to believe God can do it. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about Dr. Wonderful, look at me. I'm talking about the idea you do nothing, you do little, or you do a lot. I'm done. Thank you. Let's stand for a moment tonight. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Austin Judge came to me and he did this little graphic you see on the screen. He said, Pastor, at anniversaries, we often talk about looking back. He says, what if we thought about looking forward? He said, he showed me this. And I said, I like that, Austin. That's good. I never told the preacher that, but that's what he preached on tonight. What is our future going to look like? What are we going to do about it? How are we going to surrender to God and let him work through us and see God do great and mighty things in this place? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to have an invitation time. If God has spoke to your heart, you step out and come. What helped me tonight, challenged me tonight. What are we doing for God that only, what are you going to start that only God can finish? What are you stepping out by faith and trusting God to do? I heard, I heard David Gibbs preach, one time preacher, and he said, he said, men do incredible things every day. But if you want to do something miraculous, you have to step out and trust God. You can read the Wall Street Journal and there's millionaires all over the place doing crazy things, amazing things. Guinness Book of World Records has all kinds of incredible feats. You can watch a, a sporting event and see all kinds of athletes do things that 50 years ago you never thought could be done. But if you want to do the miraculous, you've got to step out and trust God. Let God work through you and surrender to him. The instruments are playing. If God spoke to your heart, step out and come. Let's make a decision that we're going to see year number 87 be the best year of Bethel Baptist Church. Not just looking back at the past and the heyday. It'll be the heyday.